The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Would you pray with me? Father, sometimes uh, I feel like one of those uh, disciples sitting there and and thinking, uh, I I don't understand everything that's going on around me. I don't understand who you are um, why you would say this, why you would call some to this, and why this would happen. And Father, sometimes that's frustrating. And so um, today, I pray that you'd uh, bless our journey as we launch into Holy Week, as we launch into preparation for uh, Easter. Uh, God, that we would truly um, sit at your feet, that we'd be taught by you, that we'd be humble enough to uh, embrace what you have for us. Move in our hearts this morning and this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, how would you respond if your parent or teacher or boss or friend asked you to remove your shoes because he or she wanted to wash your feet? How, how would you respond with that? We are imagining this year that we are one of the 12, that we are one of the disciples, that we are spending time with Jesus and, and learning more about him and getting to know him more, not just uh, knowing, knowing about who he is and learning information, but actually getting to know Jesus. That's kind of our, our plan, our theme, our uh, concept here for this year. Imagine what it would be like to be one of the 12. And so if you are one of the 12, then you are sitting right here today, this week. You're sitting right here. And so how would you respond if Jesus approached you the way he approached the disciples? In this story, where this is, this is the upper room here, this small uh, area where the 12 had gathered. And in this story, there are thousands who were outside of this area, uh, followers of Christ who were interested in Christ, and they're the ones who celebrated and put the palm branches down, and they perhaps are interested in being healed, very interested in being close to Christ, but only the 12 are in this room. So in this story, who are you? Are you one of the thousands outside of this room who wonder what it would be like to be that close to Jesus, who wonder, yeah, that, that would be interesting maybe someday, sometime, or do you see yourself as one of the 12? This story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, is this a story about Jesus washing their feet, or is it a story about Jesus washing your feet? If you are one of the 12, how would you respond if Jesus, the creator of everything, came up and offered and to wash your feet and said, I want to wash your feet? How would you respond to that? We typically uh, look at this story and we jump to the, to the idea of wash one another's feet and be servants to one another. And that is certainly a part of the story, and we will absolutely get to that. But what about this whole concept of Jesus wanting to wash their feet, Jesus wanting to wash our feet, your feet? How important is that to the story? Is that significant? Is that, is that really a, a significant part of that story? We want to take a look at that story this morning. It's found in John chapter 13. I invite you to go there. And... Uh, while you're looking that up, um, I just want to remind you that this is part of the 
the Holy Week experience, the, the week between uh, Palm Sunday and the Easter experience. And all four Gospels talk about this Holy Week experience. And we, we want to have as a church, we want to embrace this in multiple different ways. And so just, again, while you're looking it up, a reminder this week, tomorrow night, uh, we're having a Passover Seder here where we will have a, a, an expert who's very familiar with the Jewish Passover customs and, the, and, and how that would have been significant, um, uh, both as part of our Old Testament story and the story of Christ. Uh, someone's going to walk us through the different elements of that with our Passover Seder. It's going to happen here uh, tomorrow at 7 o'clock. It's going to be more symbolism rather than a full meal, uh, that the elements will be representing things, but it will, uh, it will be a meaningful experience for those of you, especially if you've never done that before, had a Seder. And then later on in the week, as we continue through the Holy Week experience, on Thursday and Friday, we're going to have a Stations of the Cross here at the church. We're going to walk through the church and around the, 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 the campus here, and we're going to um, experience different things that Jesus would have experienced on his walk uh, to the cross. And uh, that promises to be a meaningful experience for you and your family as well. And information about either of those things are uh, in your program or on the, on the website, etc. But uh, I encourage you to just treat this week differently. Just think about this week differently. Maybe read through the story of Holy Week. In John, which is where we are today, the story starts in chapter 12 and goes into chapter 19. Maybe this would be a good week for you to read those sections. Just kind of embrace it. Treat the week differently. So here we are in John chapter 13. And it's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I want to jump in in verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He had come from God. And so the tension in this story, uh, uh, we, in, in order to appreciate the tension in this story, we must remember that he is he's God. Uh, he is the creator of all things. He is their master, their rabbi, their teacher, and he is about to do this incredibly humbling servant act. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. We find out later on in this story that they returned to the meal. So they were eating. Jesus washes their feet, and then they return to the meal. So Jesus actually does this in the middle of the meal, just kind of stops. I mean, it's a very surprising act that he does in this story. It was very customary to wash your feet in this time. They wore sandals or, or were barefoot, and the roads were very, very dirty and dusty. And uh, so it was, it was a traditional thing to, to take care of their feet and wash their feet. Sometimes a wife would wash a husband's feet. Sometimes a child would wash a parent's feet. Sometimes for a special guest, there would be a servant who would take on that role of washing the feet of the special guest. But for the most part, people wash their own feet. For the most part, you took care of your own feet. It's not unlike our washing our hands. It's kind of a, a, a private, kind of a personal experience, and you kind of took care of that on your own. Let me uh, continue here. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. This is the incredibly significant part of the story here. Jesus saying, unless I wash you, unless you allow me to do this, you have no part with me. 
You're not going to connect with me here in this upper room unless you allow me to do this. What does it mean for Jesus to wash our feet? I think it's important for us to remember that the gospel story is that we are unclean. We are dirty. We are broken inside. We are separated from God. And unless we allow Jesus to make us clean, unless we allow Jesus to redefine who we are, the Bible refers to that as being a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Unless we allow Jesus to do that uh, in our hearts and transform us in that way, that we will have no part with God. We can't have any part with God. That we must allow Jesus to wash our feet. That's what it means to be a Christian. I mentioned this before when you talked about being one of the 12, that I invited you to come up and sign the board, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, to say, let's come and be a part. Let's hang out with Jesus. Let's spend more time with him and learn more about who he is. Whether you are uh, at a place where you want to surrender your life to Christ or not, let's get closer to him and find out who he is. Judas was one of the 12. Jesus washed Judas' feet. There's, there's no evidence that that did not happen. Physically, he washed his feet, but spiritually, did he allow Christ to transform his heart? And so what it means to be a Christian is not just to be in that room. What it means to be a Christian is to allow Jesus to wash your feet, to cleanse the, the, the imperfection and the separation that we have from God, to allow Jesus to wash our feet. Otherwise, we can have no part with God. This is an, an incredibly essential part of the story. Maybe some of you haven't viewed your salvation from that uh, perspective. That's what it means to be a Christian. And Peter's first response to this is, is absolute resistance. He says, you shall never wash my feet. I mean, it's a humbling experience to have somebody wash your feet. And, 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 and Peter's saying, there's no way, Jesus, you are going to do that to me. Absolutely no way that my teacher, my master, is going to do that to me for me. Can't do it. Spiritually, we must come to a place where we are willing to allow Jesus to cleanse us, to wash us. We must come to that place where we are, where we are humble enough to say, I can't fix this on my own. I can't make myself good enough before God on my own. It's a humbling place to say, Jesus, I need you to come and make me clean. And it's a difficult place to do that. If we can't do that with Jesus, then how are we going to... Uh, be at this place of humbly accepting the forgiveness of somebody else with our spouse or with our kids or with uh, somebody who has wronged us. If we can't do that with Jesus who's offering to wash our feet and, and offer forgiveness through that, then how are we going to be able to do that with others? It's a difficult thing. Peter finds it difficult. But he, uh, but he learns the magnitude of it when Jesus says, if you don't let me do this, you can have no part with me. You can have no part with God. And Peter turns real quickly. Uh, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus says, okay, now I get it. And the idea of not being close to Jesus, not being, being relationally, spiritually, one of the 12, not being right there in that moment is unfathomable to Peter. And he says, if this is what you need to do, then let it be so. Thy will be done. Wash my feet. Come and wash my feet. Let me jump to uh, verse 12. 
When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. The title of um, this morning's message is that Jesus is, is teacher yet servant. And so again, here's the tension. We've been seeing tension throughout the last few weeks, and there's tension again this week. Jesus is the rabbi. He is the teacher, and he's the one who comes and does this amazing act of service, washing the disciples' feet. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then there's, there's the command from Jesus, wash one another's feet. Some of you may not know that a mountain park is part of something larger than itself. We're part of a movement called the Church of God. And do you know what the Church of God is known for in many circles outside of the Church of God? It's known as the foot washing church. It actually is, it has a reputation because it has, the Church of God for over 100 years has embraced these words of Jesus very seriously. Wash one another's feet. The little church I grew up uh, going to, it was right across the street from my house that the Sunday school, Sunday school teachers came over and, and brought uh, my brothers and me over to the church there, this little Church of God church. They loved us immeasurably. It was wonderful. And uh, they had an annual service, a foot washing service. It wasn't the most highly attended service of the year, <laughs> but it was an actual foot washing service. And I, my guess is that most of you have not experienced a foot washing service. Uh, they separate the, the men from the women for you know, just kind of practical reasons. They have the, the, the men gather around in a circle and then the women gather around in a circle in a different room. And for those who are willing to have their feet washed, they would indicate that by taking off their shoes and socks in the circle there. And uh, then somebody would be bold enough to kind of get the thing started, because it is uncomfortable. Even if you do it every year, there is this level of discomfort with that. And so uh, they would have basins and somebody, normally a leader or a, a, a a board member or something would stand up and start, take a basin, select somebody who has their feet exposed, and go and wash their feet and uh, give them words of affirmation, and then there'd be a hug normally afterwards, and then that person would then take the basin and go wash somebody else's feet, and the thing would uh, go around in, in, in turn. It's kind of this wonderfully uncomfortable experience. And uh, you, you could kind of wait. Mo most people took off their uh, shoes and participated. Very few wouldn't. And it's okay if you, did, if you didn't participate. But um, uh, you, you didn't want to wait too long because you wanted to have some kind of selection because nobody wanted to wash Russell's feet. That was kind of one of the rules. It's kind of this, this unspoken thing that, yeah, sure, there's, 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 a, there's a spiritual lesson with all this. Then there's just plain disgusting. And so there's a, there's a thing we want to just kind of stay within that, that, within that range. Jesus says here in John 13, wash one another's feet. We're going to do something this morning that's a little crazy, that's a little uncomfortable. Jesus said, wash one another's feet. The ushers are going to uh, come by in a few moments, and we're going to set up basins all around the room here. Now, there'll be an opportunity for you to skip out if you'd like, but the vast majority of you 
are going to uh, uh, wash one another's feet. I know it's uncomfortable. I've been there, been there many times, been, been there many times, done that. But if there's enough resistance for us to say, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Where's that coming from? And do you feel like uh, uh, Jesus' words are, uh, they don't apply to you in this setting? Do we get to pick and choose as we go through Scripture? I know it's uncomfortable. Before we get into that, would you just look at your program? Just look at your program. Look on the very front. What's the date there? Ah, April Fool's. Okay. Okay. April Fool's. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Ah, yeah, see. I know why you're clapping. You're clapping out of intense relief. Thank God. Because you're real silent in your seat and you're thinking, oh, then why did I pick this Sunday? Why didn't I just wait for Easter? I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm with you. Just for clarity, no basins. You're not going to have to take off your shoes. Some of you are thinking, I should have got the manicure, the pedicure this week. I know, I know, I know, I know. It was so fun, though, to watch your faces and see the fidgeting. Somebody got up over here and had to go to the bathroom real quick. It's awesome. It's a blast. Okay, okay. We can all breathe. We can all breathe. But seriously, though, why does that freak us out so much? I mean, why did you fidget as much as you did? Why does the, what, 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 what part of our brain and our heart does that access? And is there a spiritual teaching in there? One of the most significant uh, uh, spiritual training pieces that I had when I went through seminary, uh, graduate school for theological training, was this thing called a CPE unit, clinical pastoral education. And our school made it a mandatory thing. You had to do one unit of CPE. And one unit was 400 hours serving uh, at, at some, uh, uh, as a chaplain at some institution. So my CPE unit was at a hospital. Most of them are taking, take place at a hospital. And what they do is for the 400 hours, they don't start you by saying, okay, uh, you wise 23-year-old, we want you to go and share your wisdom with all those who are hurting in the hospital. That's not how they start the CPE, and this was the beauty of it. The first 100 hours were spent uh, putting on um, the garb, the, the medical garb, and going around and helping and cleaning and serving and doing whatever we could to help the patients, not bringing any theological wisdom into any of the rooms, just to go in and kind of get a sense of what they're experiencing and just spend time with them and listen to them and do what needs to happen. I'll never forget Charlie. He was in his 30s. He weighed over 650 pounds. Charlie was um, uh, bedridden. There was no way he was going to be able to uh, get out of that bed. And uh, so he couldn't, um, he couldn't take care of himself, couldn't shower, take care of himself. So I was sent into the room um, on a regular basis to go and help Charlie, take care of Charlie. So what uh, we had to do was, was roll him onto one side, and he was naked, you know, under the, um, the, uh, got the cape, the whatever, what is it? Yeah. Gown, thank you, thank you. It wasn't a cape, he wasn't a superhero. But <laughs> the gown, and uh, so we'd roll him onto one side and uh, clean him off. I mean, I'll never forget cleaning Charlie's backside and the human waste that was there and the folds of skin and, and cleaning uh, in there. Removing the, the sheet 
that was, that was filthy, and then tucking that underneath, and then putting the new sheet on, tucking that in close, and then rolling him over the other side, cleaning the other side, pulling the dirty sheet off, pulling the clean sheet off, and rolling that over. The lesson in uh, human value, the lesson in humility, is one that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. This, this was a person that Jesus died for, that Jesus loves absolutely as much as he loves me. Now, I know there are some of you here who are nurses, who work in medical fields. You work in other uh, areas of, um, of, of service in those, in those ways. And you do this all the time. This is what you do. Many of us here in the room just five minutes ago, we were freaking out about the possibility of washing someone's freshly pedicured feet. And some of you do this as a part of your profession. You take care of our moms and our dads and our brothers and our sisters. Let me tell you, God bless you. God bless you. May you uh, embrace the connection of what you have been called to do with what Jesus is calling us to do. It's, It's an amazing thing. God bless you. I think there is a a very intentional reason that Jesus chose the act of washing feet. I mean, uh, it, it, it is now as it was then that the feet are just kind of a, a less attractive part of the body. And Jesus is saying, are you humble enough to wash somebody's feet, to allow somebody to wash your feet? Or is this, or is this beneath you? Are you above this? See, there's nothing beneath the feet Literally. And so I think Jesus is saying, let's go to the, to the low end and say, do, are, do you think that someone else or something else is below you in terms of an act of service? Do you think you're, you're too important for that? Jesus wants to challenge us all with this. There's a man named Jean-Francois Blondin from France. And he was the first person to walk a tightrope across the... Niagara Falls. He did it in 1859. It's about a one-inch rope that he walked across 1,300 feet across Niagara Falls. Absolutely amazing. He got really good at it, and he started to uh, repeat it and do it uh, more extravagantly and uh, do it a number of different ways. He did it on a bicycle. He rode a bicycle across a tightrope across Niagara Falls. He did it on stilts. He was the first guy to do this stuff. One time he put a stove in a wheelbarrow and took it across, and halfway across, stopped, cooked an omelet, ate it, and then finished the trip. I mean, we're talking. He's French. But, um, I mean, this guy, this guy was pretty amazing. And uh, the year after he first did it, so 1860, the 19-year-old Prince of Wales was there at Niagara Falls witnessing this incredible act. And... Uh, uh, Blundin knew that he was there, and he went up to, uh, to the Prince of Wales, and this was kind of a big spectacle, and people had gathered around, and he said, do you think that I could carry a man on my back across the rope, across Niagara Falls? And uh, Prince of Wales said, absolutely you can. I've seen what you can do. Absolutely you can do that. And then Blundin said, would you be that man? And then the Prince of Wales, in, uh, and he was only 19 years old, the Prince of Wales, and he just had an amazing response. 
And he, you could only kind of imagine him saying it with the British accent. He said, no. <laughs> Which is, hey, let's be honest. I mean, how would you respond? That would be my response. Yeah, I think you could do that. No, I'm not getting on your back. Absolutely not. There's a big difference between believing something and enduring the consequences of that belief. There's a big difference between saying, yes, I, I believe that this is possible, I believe this is true, and then moving from that to, to um, uh, being courageous enough to endure the consequences of following through on that belief or acting on that belief or doing something about it. All of us here in the room would say that serving is good. I, I'd, be, I'd be pretty surprised if I uh, identified somebody here in the room and said serving other people, that's not a good thing. I mean, you can have your own opinion about uh, American military and the U.S. and its involvement in global affairs and all that kind of stuff. But the idea of serving your country, we're all on the same page there. You might be a Republican, Republican, Democrat, whatever, but the idea of politicians serving the people, we're all on the same page there. We're, uh, we have the belief that serving is good. Serving others, that's a virtuous thing, that is a good thing. It's part of our uh, culture. It's actually been uh, uh, embedded into who we are from the whole history of humanity and how God has poured that in. Serving one another, that's a good thing. But it's making the transition from that to actually acting on it, to enduring the consequences of serving. What, what are the consequences that may hold us back from serving? Well, one common one is just time. I mean, that's a common one, right? Time. We don't have enough time. It takes time to serve somebody, to carve out a part of our day to do, instead of something that we wanted to do for ourselves, that we carve that out and do that for somebody else and service to somebody else. It takes time. But on that one, I just have a real simple challenge, and what better thing would you like to do with your time than serve other people? What What's better than serving other people with your time? Really, I mean, when, when you get to the end of your day, end of your month, end of your year, end of your life, what is gonna really matter most? What's the wake that you wanna leave behind your boat? What do you want to be known for? We embrace the belief that serving is good. And at the end of our days, wouldn't we want to look back and know that some of our time was spent in that area? There is something in God's unwritten story that you are called to be a part of, that you are called to do. And if you don't do it, it won't get done. And then another consequence that sometimes may hold us back from serving is the belief that we don't have anything to offer that we are not helpful, that, that we don't have something that is significant enough to make an impact in the kingdom. And that's just an insult to our creator. One of the great things about the church is that, is that she, that the, the, the local churches, God has designed these local churches and communities, and as Paul went out and started these churches, what the great things about it is that it's an opportunity for every person to be able to serve in a meaningful way. Every person, a church is not about having the professional Christians doing, uh, getting the blessing of serving and doing all the work. The great thing about the church, unlike any other system, any other opportunity, is that every person is, is needed and utilized to make uh, an impact here in this, in this 
in this body, in this community, around the world. God can use each and every one of us, and the more that we participate, the stronger we are, and the more impact we can make on the kingdom. Every person, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I think this is what uh, Jesus means when he wraps up this story, the very last verse here in this story, verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things and you've heard from me and this night and this week and all that I've taught you, you'll be blessed if you do them. There's a big difference between those two things, knowing and doing. I mean, knowing that Blondin could carry you across Niagara Falls on his back is one thing. Climbing on his back is a whole different deal. There's a huge difference between knowing and doing. And Jesus says when we make that shift from knowing to doing, we will be blessed. We will experience a blessing. Last Sunday was our church work day. And many of you stayed and gathered throughout that day, and there were many different opportunities uh, for people to serve last Sunday. It was a, just a wonderfully chaotic Sunday. Uh, in the kitchen, uh, it was chaos from 12 to 1, approximately. And some of you were participating in that, and there were multiple lunches and meals that needed to be prepped for different areas. There was a student thing going on, and there were people providing for that, and there was a board meeting, uh, people who were serving in that way, and so there was some, a lunch that was being prepared for them, and, and uh, there were a group of people with the church workday who were cleaning the kitchen, and then there was uh, meals, there were meals that were being prepared for those who were serving in other areas of the church, and so the kitchen was just this absolute chaos and bumping into each other and elbowing, and, and the whole thing was just, we talked about it as a staff and said, how can we avoid that kind of chaos and we want to respect our volunteers they come in to help and and but when all is said and done what a great problem to have what a great problem to have that you are kind of fighting with each other to be able to serve last sunday was fantastic we had an enormous number of middle school middle schoolers who were uh, cutting down trees and moving materials and getting them uh, in the machines whatever the uh, uh, chipper see i need help with all my words uh, 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 with the chipper and doing, I mean, it was pretty exciting. The idea of having an eighth grade with a chainsaw, that is just, how much, how much better does life get than that? It's just awesome. And then later on in the afternoon, there were a crew of folks kind of at the end of the experience who put up the new cross on the hill. Have you guys noticed that on the way in? You notice Notice the cross. These guys had an amazing experience. I heard some of their stories and perspectives. Some were kind of crying as they were doing this, as they were embracing this. We have a picture of the crew that did this. This is the crew that proudly spent a great number of time, a great amount of time, led by Paul LeClaire, who did an amazing job of getting this thing up there. This thing is amazing. You've got to climb up on the mountain and see it. It's amazing. You ask any of those people in that picture, any of the people who served on Sunday, were you blessed by that experience? Were you blessed by that experience? Here at Mountain Park, we have what we call the seven so now what's. And if you're new with us, we did, we, did, we made, just made up a word. Uh, and they're, they're listed on, in your program or on the website. Right when you walk into the auditorium up above, there are the seven sonawats up there. And basically what it means is for anyone who says, I'm in, I'm, I'm ready, I, I, I'm a follower of Christ, I want to know more about what that means. So now what? What happens next? And they're letters A through G, and they're not linear. You don't have to do one before you do the next. They're just, but they do kind of gradually move from safe to dangerous. 
They do kind of, it starts with letter A, which is ask questions. Let's engage the mind and, and connect with this. And it kind of gradually moves to being more dangerous. The last one, the last letter, is letter G, get in the game. And the reason this one is kind of last on the list is this whole thing of transferring from knowing to doing, it's a big deal. It is a, it's, it can be the hardest thing for some of us in our walk with Jesus. This can be the most dangerous thing is shifting from knowing to doing. And that's why it's uh, at the tail end there. Are we willing to say, yeah, I've thought about it enough. I've, I've engaged in different ways. Now I'm going to actually do something. I'm going to shift and, pre- and enjoy the blessing of shifting from knowing to doing. And that's what we mean by a dangerous place to stay. That God wants to challenge us to participate in his kingdom coming. I love this quote by Arthur Gordon. He says in a book called A Touch of Wonder. Can we have that up on the screen, please? One of the most insidious maladies of our time is the tendency in most of us to observe rather than act, to avoid rather than participate, not do rather than do, the tendency to give in to the sly, negative, cautionary voices that constantly counsel us to be careful, to be controlled, to be wary and prudent and hesitant and guarded in our approach of this complicated thing called living. Or as Jesus says, there is a blessing when we shift from knowing to doing. For those of you who are new, you're just visiting, you've been invited uh, by someone, you are a guest with us, just relax, I'm really not talking about you here. But if, if you're not new, if this is your home church, you've been here for a while, and you're not serving in any area, I invite you to be really uncomfortable for the next few minutes. Uh, uh, you received on your way in a card. It looks like this. It's a white card, and it says, what about you? If you did not receive one of these on the, uh, on the way in, ushers are available to, uh, to give you some of these. I know some of the programs didn't have some in it. If you do not have one of these white cards, just raise your hand, and uh, the ushers are going to come take care of you on that. It says in red there, it says, what about you? Now, I've said before the idea that it's not about you, that the gospel piece is not about, um, it's not all about you, that, that the sanctification process is about chipping away at our selfishness. That's what, that's what happens in marriage. That's what happens in our roles as parents. It's what God wants to do in the hearts of each and every one of us to chip away at our selfishness, to embrace the fact it's not all about you, it's not all about you, but in a sense, it is about you. In a sense, it's about you deciding, are you going to get in the game? Are you going to sign up for something, show up for something? Are you going to shift from knowing to doing? That's up to you. In a sense, it is all about you. What are you how are you going to respond to the many opportunities and invitations that God gives us in terms of walking with him? You are gonna do something that you feel is beneficial to your head, to your heart, to uh, the kingdom. Some, you are gonna to continue to do something like that. You, if you have a great experience with something, you will wanna do it again. If you have a bad experience in something, you will wanna stay away from it. In a sense, it is up to you. What are you gonna do? What about you? If you wanna be one of the 12, you can't ignore this part of the story. 
Jesus walks up to your feet. If you're one of the 12, Jesus walks up to you. You can't ignore that moment. How are you gonna respond to Jesus? How are you gonna respond when Jesus says, wash one another's feet? And so we're talking about it figuratively today. And how we wanna look at that today is this idea of getting in the game and serving somewhere. Here's how this looks. On this car, there are a number of different areas in the church. And what I'm gonna invite you to do is uh, if you are not serving somewhere, to identify an area that you would like more information on. One area, one area, pick one. Someone will contact you by Wednesday of this week. And then in that contact, they will give you information on, on when a gathering is happening by the, before the end of the month on one of these areas for you to have some kind of gathering. You're not committing to anything other than just receiving a call. That's what this is. For you to participate because we need your help here in this in terms of what God is doing here in this church. And I invite you to transfer this whole thing to us. If you don't check anything, it's all on you. It's all on you and your relationship with God and the whole thing. But if you check something, then you've transferred it to us. Then it's our responsibility to contact you to help you get a meaningful uh, experience. Transfer it to us. That's our job. Really, transfer it to Tim Goodyear. (laughs) But we invite you, we invite you, we invite you to do this. Again, if you're new, feel free to participate if you'd like. If you want to jump in, you've just moved here and you say, this is great time, I want to get involved, and you understand the blessing of this, feel free to do it. But this is really targeted for those of you who call this your home church. You've been here for a while, and you are not in a serving role anywhere. Pick one. Pick one and see how God wants to bless you through that. We're going to close and do our our typical um, uh, response opportunities. You can come and write something on a card, nail it to a cross. You can come pray at the front, light a candle. There are um, uh, folks who would love to anoint you over here. Prayer in the corner, communion in the center back. Feel free to participate in any of those, but there's a, a new... Uh, response opportunity today, and at either of these corners, right here, there's, there's a table, kind of at the end of either of these rows, there's a table for you to place this in there. May it be a part of your worship to say, God, I've never done this before, but I want to sign my name up in this way and see how you want to bless my journey with you. I want to respond to you coming and offering to wash my feet. May that be a part of your response today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for the amazing gifts that are here in this place. The amazing gifts that have already been utilized to make this church a great place. A safe place to experience your dangerous message. Thank you, God, for the many who are serving in amazing ways. And Father, I pray for those who have not yet entered into that blessing. That you would allow this to be a time of worship. That there would be no arm twisting, God absolutely no guilt. Would you just purify this place of any guilt, of any shame, that it would be an invitation from you, that you would approach each one of us and offer to wash our feet. May we respond in a way that honors you and transforms us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.